Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Welcome to another episode of The Warning Woods. If you enjoy the podcast, please consider giving it five stars and writing a review. Reviews help spread the podcast to more listeners. If you want more creepy content, follow me on Instagram and TikTok at The Warning Woods. I'm Miles Thomas Tridel, and this story is called The Attempt. My story is one of sadness. Hopeless sadness. Inescapable, hopeless sadness. If you're having a good day, or you're in a great mood, stop listening now. You don't deserve to suffer with me. I don't want to take your sunshine away, as the song goes. On the other hand, if you're feeling a little glum, join me. We can journey down this road of sorrow together. Don't get excited about the destination. There's no happy ending here. When I was seven, I had an imaginary friend named Jody. Other children my age would tease me incessantly about her. My parents and teachers repeated the line, It's perfectly normal for a child of your age to have make-believe friends. But no matter how many times I heard those words, they were whispers compared to the constant shouts of, Where's your girlfriend, Tommy? Oh right, she's invisible. Gonna eat lunch with Jody again, Tommy? That's okay, we don't want to sit with a weirdo. Did you draw that, Tommy? Or was it Jody? I can't tell. You both suck. That last one, or variations of it, were in reference to the artwork Jody would make while we were away for recess. I can't tell you how many times my parents had to meet with teachers about those pictures. Of course, everyone thought I was drawing them. Who else would be scribbling images of me standing over the decapitated bodies of my classmates? As I grew older, I learned not to talk about Jody. I got clever and found ways to hide her pictures before anyone could see them. If anyone did notice Jody's misdeeds, I took credit for them. It was easier to accept whatever punishment came to me than the ridicule that accompanied the truth. The kids who teased me when I was seven grew up alongside me though, and they never forgot the stories I told about my invisible friend. I should stop referring to Jody as a friend. I hated her. She never left me alone. She never let me grow into my own person. She became an overbearing big sister who watched and controlled everything I did. If she told me to trip someone who made an unseemly remark about her, I had to do it. I remember one afternoon following a particularly long day of mockery at school. I want you to leave me alone, I finally said to Jody. I know you were hurt today. I know you blame me, she said. You don't remember the time when you were friendless and begged for me anymore. I'm friendless now, I countered. That seemed to hurt her. I saw a flash of anger sour her translucent face. You will never have a better friend than me. If you don't understand that now, you will just wait. 
We went back and forth that way for some time. I remember the way my head throbbed as I argued with Jody. I needed to be rid of her once and for all. Finally, she offered a deal. Life is short, death is forever, she said. If I leave you alone for the rest of your life, you have to promise you will stay with me forever when you die. The incalculable weight of that exchange meant nothing to me as a 15-year-old kid with no concern for the afterlife. I thought I was getting off easy when I accepted her terms. The wicked smile she flashed before she finally disappeared for good should have tipped me off, but I wouldn't consider its implications until later. As previously mentioned, the kids in my class would not forget about Jody as quickly as I did. I hate to make excuses or place blame on anyone but myself, but I'm old enough now to reflect on that time and realize how much of an impact my treatment in high school affected my life afterwards. After high school, I took a night clerk position at a gas station convenience store on the edge of town. The pay was terrible, so I had to keep living with my parents. The customers who came by overnight were pretty much just cops and people the cops would be picking up later on. I was always bored and constantly felt tired, but I got to be alone. There was no one there to criticize, laugh at, or hurt me. Sometimes, I thought I saw the pale outline of Jody standing outside one of the plate glass windows, but if she was there, she disappeared as soon as I saw her. I had felt watched other times, too, but I was always careful not to acknowledge her. When I turned 21, I started bringing a bottle of cheap whiskey home every morning. I would finish it off, go to sleep for a few hours, then repeat the same pattern, night in, night out. My diet of gas station hot dogs and whiskey led to quite a few extra pounds. I was an overweight drunk working a dead-end job. I had no prospects professionally or personally. All of this was highlighted the night a former classmate stopped into the gas station. He slapped a 20 on the counter and said, Pump two. Then his chiseled jaw cracked open as he laughed. Tommy? Good lord, Tommy, is that you? Sure is, John. Pump two is good to go. Wow. I figured everybody got the hell out of here after high school. You stuck around this dump? You know, man, I guess it suits you. He laughed again. He may have become some big shot out of town, but when he returned, John reverted to the same person he had been before. There was a tap at the glass, and a beautiful girl waved to John and mouthed, Hurry up. Gotta go. Have a good life, dude, John said, chuckling to himself. The door chimed as he left and something inside me broke. I turned around to face the liquor shelf behind me. Until that point, I had resisted the seductive bottles while on the clock, but seeing John, hearing his demeaning voice again, and seeing that beautiful girl, far prettier than anyone I could dream of being with, was too much. I opened a bottle of Evan Williams, and took a sip. The bottle was half empty before I even considered the consequences of drinking at work, but the empty half kept me from caring. I was numb, and I liked it. The door chimed again. I hid the bottle behind my back and looked to see who came in. It was one of the regular cops. When my glassy eyes met his, I knew I was done. I waited, cuffed on the sidewalk for my boss to come take over the store. She fired me on the spot, and I was hauled off to jail for the night. 
On top of public intoxication, my boss had me charged with petty theft for the unpaid bottle. My dad bailed me out the next morning. He didn't even wait until we got home to tell me he and my mother wanted me out of the house. I love you, son, but I'm worried we're enabling you to make these choices. You've got to figure out how to get your life together. I weighed my options while packing my scarce belongings. I didn't know where I could go or what I could do. I thought I had felt trapped and helpless before, but at least I'd had a place to sleep. Without even that, I lost my remaining will to go on. I dug out a shot glass from one of the plastic bags containing everything I owned. Holding a pillow over my hand to muffle the sound, I shattered the glass against the bed frame. One particularly large piece of glass called to me. It would be my savior and my end. Before I could overthink it, I put the shard against the skin of my forearm. It hurt, but the pain on my skin was a mere shadow of the sorrow in my head. I pressed harder, hard enough to draw blood. It could all be over in seconds. The blackness of the beyond was as seductive as the bottles of liquor had been the night before. Both offered an end to the pain. I sliced myself open a little more. A thick vignette shadowed my vision and I laid back trying to stay conscious long enough to finish myself off. My head hit the floor and I saw someone standing behind me. At first I thought it was my mother. She just stood there making no attempt to stop me. I kept expecting her to grab my bleeding wrist away from the broken glass but the woman just watched with no reaction. The oddness of it returned me to a semi-aware state, and I realized the woman I was seeing was no woman at all. She was a young girl. She was Jody. She smiled down upon me with a gleeful excitement. Death is forever. Her words echoed in my head, lost words from a nearly forgotten memory that became so real all at once. When the last of my blood spilled to the floor and my heart stopped beating, Jody would receive her end of the deal. A disturbing montage of a never-ending future with Jody played in front of my mind's eye. She would drag me to my own funeral and force me to watch my parents bury me. Together we witnessed my mother descend into the alcoholic blur my own life had become. We saw my father become angry and bitter. Jody would laugh when he hit my mother, who would be too drunk to stand back up. Then came the endless stream of children who we would haunt the way Jody had haunted me. I saw an eternity of the same abuse that came to me. Jody would initiate the suffering and force me to play along. I witnessed countless souls deteriorate into madness at my own hand. I forced my fading consciousness back to the present. Jody was crouching over me now, eagerly waiting. I cried for help, screaming as loudly as I could. I was terrified my weak cries wouldn't be loud enough for anyone in the house to hear. Jody became angry. Rage filled her eyes as she clamped a cold hand across my mouth. Her other hand wrapped around my fingers, clutching the glass. I had stopped cutting, but now she was forcing me to continue. I didn't have the strength to resist her. I couldn't. My bedroom door opened and my father rushed to my side. I felt his strong hand clamp down in my forearm near the elbow. Jody screamed a bitter, hateful scream, but only I could hear her. As the stream of blood flowing from my arms slowed, she began to fade. When she disappeared, I let myself slip into the black.
As you've probably guessed by my writing this, I survived my suicide attempt. I'm receiving various therapies for my addiction and other psychological ailments. I'm also enrolled in a nearby community college. I can't say I'm better off than I was before the attempt, but now I have a strong motivation to live. I know I can't hold off death forever, but I have to try to keep it at bay as long as possible. I wish I could travel back in time and tell my 15-year-old self not to make that deal with Jody. He didn't understand what I know now. Life may be painful, but death is forever. And forever can hold a lot of pain. You made it out. Congratulations. If you enjoyed the story, please rate and review this podcast wherever you like to listen. Reviews are the best way to support the podcast and help it grow. You can also become a patron at patreon.com slash thewarningwoods. If you want more creepy content, including the images that accompany each story, follow me on Instagram at thewarningwoods. If you feel ready, meet me here next week for another journey into the warning woods. Thank you for listening. Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the roll of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is not what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts.